Welcome back to Single Minded. I'm your host, Hannah First, and who's joining me today? Oh, hello. Um, I'm Hannah's dad. <laughs> Guest co-host. And I'm your co-host yes. for today. Only, Only in the for intro. the intro. I wanted to get you on today, dad, because I did an interview with a male dating coach and was getting his view on dating from a man's perspective because most of his clients are men. But before we get into that interview, I wanted to get your dating tips as my dad and you know everything that goes on in my life. There's no secrets in our family. So I've heard you've got some tips for me. Is he just going to sit there silently, Mum, or is he going <laughs> to is he going to say something? Let's go, Rob. Let's go. <laughs> well, Hannah, you know, as an ardent single-minded fan, <laughs> yeah, and really, really, I am the creative force behind it. I mean, you came up with the name. Of course, I'm never going to let that go. That I made up the name. Never. Look. <laughs> One thing I think, I'm mean, listening to single-minded, I guess what I've realised is that that having somebody in your life can be a good thing, but making the most out of your life, whatever that brings, is is really just as important. So I, th- I think I've actually learned a lot. Good. Look, dating tips. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> For me specifically. Well, look, you-, you do remember it, you know, when I, when I was um, predisposed to sort of interfering more in your life. Yeah. Um, bad plan. Anyone that's listening, <laughs> bad plan. I had the idea that, um, you know, because, you know, I sensed that you were keen on, the, on dating and you'd been using various dating apps, swiping, 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 swiping. Yep. That was going nowhere. Yep. So I thought, look, there must be a professional out there. <laughs> You know, you can hire a consultant for anything. And I thought, oh, look, you know, we'll, we'll just see what's out there and see if there's any, um, you know, dating coaches that might be able to assist my daughter in the mating game. I, I did learn a little bit from that because I was I was on the internet having a look around and one of them, I recall, I thought I think she was American and she was mm-hmm. full of the gush and she had a YouTube channel and all the rest of it. And I must say that I did like what she said and I'm sure people could find her again if they wanted to. And she said kind of words to the effect that when you walk into a room, you've got to get your antennas up, you've got to look around, you've got to smile, you've got to make eye contact yep. and basically just be available. I mean – actually feel available yeah. and act available. Mm-hmm. And, Hannah, you don't have to overcomplicate that. Okay. There's no expectations in particular, no need for pouting, just <laughs> really a friendly, open gaze. Uh, is, yes. well, that's enough. That will do. Now, just for some context, yeah. Mum and I forced Dad to take photos of us for the gram and he says 10 times Hannah stop pouting so that is where that comes from yes well you know it's interesting because she says oh when you walk into a room right yeah I was thinking about that because maybe your generation just doesn't walk into <laughs> enough rooms <laughs> That's true. you know seriously so like true. and I'm, I'm talking about real physical rooms because yes. when you guys talk about chat rooms it yep. actually is a virtual thing so my advice is Stop being virtual and yep. actually that's all of you and yep. I mean really, yep. you're doing no one any good and, well, actually you're kind of like depriving other needy people of your company. 
<laughs> now, I don't mean that in a mean way, by the way. No, I because, love it. No, we're all needy, right? Yeah. I mean, we're all needy. Oh, I, I know you and mum are very needy. I am well aware of your neediness for each yes, other. Yes, we are spoken <laughs> of as codependent. Yes. We are in the bubble. And yep. we did meet at a party. He gate crashed. Yep. It is true. Also, I walked you into a walked room. Into and a and room. You walked into a room. That you weren't even invited to. You walked into a room. I wasn't even invited, but but in my day, if you had a a slab of beer under your arm, you were pretty much welcome anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did walk into the room, and may I say your mother was making herself very available (laughs) that night. Sadly, at the end of the evening, not with me, but nevertheless, things worked out for the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mom, I think Dad's got a new job. I think he's great oh at this. God. Is he taking over from me? I think he's doing pretty well. <laughs> Any other tips, Rob? Well, look, I like. You know. I just like that as a tip. I mean, I'd like the people to know that it's not a joke. You really did try to – you said you would pay for me to see a dating coach. I, I, I was, yeah. That's how dire the situation was. It, you thought it was at that point. But now you've changed your mindset since you've started come listening. To the realization that well, no, I've just come around to the realization, and I've listened to quite a bit of the commentary and the people that you've had on, and I think that moving the focus away from uh, that being a priority is is something everybody should be doing. Mm-hmm. I hear you've been actually asked on a second date now. Um, yes, is that true? Yes, it is true. Well, look, you know, no pressure, but can I can I just make a suggestion? <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah, try not to fuck it up this time. <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding. Excellent, love that. <laughs> I hope everyone gets a bit more of an understanding from this episode of our family sense of humour. <laughs> All right. Well, we will get into the interview, and Linda and I will be back to discuss it after. So my guest today, Damien Deeker, is a dating coach and the founder of School of Attraction. And to start off with, I really wanted to get to know you a little bit better. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you've spoken about creating strategies to date to help you overcome your severe generalized anxiety disorder. So I'd love to start with your story and how you became a dating coach. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a story, I think, in many ways. You know what? It began when I was like, I started my anxiety disorder when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And I had been out with my girlfriend at the time for a night sort of drinking. And we were out in the city during the day. And we didn't really have much money on us. So we kind of spent that money on cigarettes because we smoked at the time and coffee. <laughs> and no food because we couldn't afford the food on top. And we just hung out in the city all day having some coffees and some cigarettes. And that afternoon, we went to see a movie. And I could just feel my heart go boom, 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 boom. I could feel the, the pulse racing. And it was really, really unpleasant. And I just went into a massive panic. And the, the ambulance came. She, I told her we're going to get an ambulance. Something's going wrong. And she got an ambulance. And the ambulance was taking my heart rate, my blood pressure. And they were like, okay, bud, have you been taking anything? I said, no. And they looked at her and they said, has he been taking anything? She said, no, no, he really mm-hmm. hasn't. And they brought me to the hospital. And I think back then, uh, because I'm 37 now, back then they weren't really as clued into panic disorders or anxiety disorders as they would be now. Mm-hmm. And so they kept me in there for days doing tests, heart tests and all sorts of different tests on me. And it was very inclusive when they finished. It wasn't like, oh, okay, looks like this could well have been an anxiety problem. No, it was, hmm, this is very interesting. We're going to need to keep an eye on this. We'll get discharge you, but just keep an eye on your symptoms. And, and that's sort of how it began because it began with feeling like there was something wrong with me. And I had my 
um, I guess a bit my first crash with anxiety at that point. Mm -hmm. And then really my life was a little bit up and down with my anxiety until I finished high school and that was my first year of uni. And then I had a major crash and my anxiety disorder got so bad that it wasn't just about heart rate. It was about anything. It was a very generalized anxiety disorder by, by then. It was, it was sort of, it, it was obsessive. So it was like, you know, if I drank out of a glass, it was, had that glass been cleaned before, would I get some kind of a mercurial disease because I hadn't cleaned the glass before? Or it could be all mm. sorts of factors. It could be almost anything I could have really bad anxiety about. And so I was trapped in the house for a while and it was pretty severe. It was very frightening. And I went to see therapists um, psychologists, psychiatrists, and they put me on antidepressants for a while. Antidepressants helped with the anxiety. They really messed up my personality. I ended up mm. treating my friends really badly. I ended up stealing from my parents. Uh, these are things that I would never have thought of. I mean, a lot of shame for me because I would never have done that normally. You know, it just seemed mm. all right at the time. And so I went off them because I really hated that. And I had to work out how to fix what I was going through. And that was really the seed to trying to understand myself, doing becoming my own psychologist or becoming my own doctor is things that I need to do as time went on. And I'm not sure if you this is what you're shooting for, but really for me, some of the huge factors to my anxiety were exercise was a huge one and meditation was a really huge one. Mm. And the type of therapy that really ended up working the best was um, acceptance commitment therapy. So those three together were, were massively powerful. Later on uh, in my life, I'd actually go on to find out that I have a it's actually a genetic issue where my body can't break down stress hormones properly. Mm. And so if stress levels get too high, my body cascades into a really unhealthy, because it's not just my stress hormones that go up. So things like my serotonin goes through the roof and other things really unhealthily. Mm -hmm. So that's why the doctors were so concerned because my serotonin was so high. They don't know that, but that makes my blood pressure super high and it doesn't go down. So for them, their standpoint, yeah, it's going on. There's serotonin syndrome when yes. you've got too much. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wasn't quite in serotonin syndrome. Yeah, it's an emergency, but I was getting there, and so yep. I could walk around with three or four times the upper limit of serotonin for normal people. Mm. So that was that journey, and then as I began to go back into normal life, you know, my self confidence was crushed. That girl that and I had we'd split up. My confidence with women was really at a rock bottom. And the first thing that I did was get involved in men's work which you may have heard mm -hmm. before, sort of following the footsteps of people like David Data and this kind of work. And that was truly transformational for me because it wasn't about my confidence with women. It was more about my confidence in myself as a man and who I was and how I related to women. Because I, I, ha I had resentment towards my ex for leaving me, abandoning me as I saw it when I had all this anxiety. I mean, the poor girl was just a late teenager. How could she know how to manage that? But I had a lot of resentment. And mm. dealing with a lot of what I felt and a lot of that stuff was huge for me. And and so that had a big impact. That really set me on the path that I'm on now. The other second part was when I met some friends who were involved in pickup artist work, which is kind of a thing <laughs> that was really big in the early 2000s of going out and trying to hit on girls. I remember. And there's a lot of manipulation, yep. a lot of game playing. A lot of neg talk. Yes. I remember getting neg talked a lot. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, it wasn't perfect, but you know what I'm talking about. And then, <laughs> yeah, I do. And then it was interesting because I'd go out with these guys and a lot of what they were doing, uh, their mindsets were a little counter to what I learned with the men's group the men's work that really helped me so much emotionally. And what mm -hmm. I saw, what I believed I was seeing, and I still do to this day, is I was seeing sort of narcissism training. So it was, who do we idolize? Well, these narcissistic men or men with NPD tendencies that we see uh, seem to be getting laid a lot, right? Mm. It wasn't, why do they need to get laid so much? It was, the question was just, <laughs> oh, they're getting laid a lot. Obviously, they're our ideal. That's <laughs> behaviors and attitudes. 
And yeah. what I saw then was men, they were taking unimpressionable men and, and because they were trying to impress these mindsets onto them, they were creating people who were very vulnerable things to things like sex addiction, where you need to mm -hmm. have sex with a woman to feel good about yourself. You don't mm -hmm. feel great otherwise. So you crash out and then you're like, oh, I need my next hit. Oh, let's find another woman. Bam. Oh, I crashed out. Really. And that's what I saw. And that was the inspiration originally for getting involved in dating coaching because the men's work I feel helped me so much. I wish I could have brought that to these men's lives or at least the the psychology of the philosophies around your relationship to women and around your mm -hmm. relationship to yourself and what builds self-esteem is more you can't have high self-esteem and treat others badly it's anathema mm. and so a lot of these things I, that i realized i wish i could bring that and that was the long answer to your simple question <laughs> <laughs> so you, you do specialize in helping men date yes are there some like key themes that you have seen with your clients yeah there are i mean the biggest theme that often men aren't aware is even, obviously the men who come to me are not the ones who are overconfident and a little bit sleazy. They're not the men who I end up working with. I am ending up working with the men who are good guys, but just aren't great at putting themselves out there and making themselves known. So women don't even know their existence frequently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and very one of the big themes for me is self-value. So a man sees a woman across the room. He's got plenty to offer in general. Good guy but he doesn't feel like he's bringing anything in value and just doesn't want to even interrupt her conversation. And mm -hmm. what I say to the guy is, look, if we change the scenario and I gave you a, like a, a small briefcase with, let's say, $100,000, and your job was just to walk over to her and say, hey, I think you're really pretty and I want you to have this $100,000, mm -hmm. would that be more or less fear than you're feeling right now? And the guy's like, well, less fear because it's obvious I'm, I'm giving her money, right? And that's all you got to do. You just got to walk away. And I'd say to him, and that's the problem because you have no qualms about interrupting her if you can give her $100,000, but you don't think you're worth interrupting her for. There's that sense of self-value. You know, we often talk about the term of entitlement as being a negative thing because you know, it can be over-entitled um, your attitudes, but you can also be under-entitled, you know, when you feel like, oh, you know, I don't have anything to offer. And clearly this guy's like worked hard in his life and he's a good person and he's, he's got these things to offer. And women actually would want to meet someone like him and he just doesn't do it because he's too worried about how he's going to come across and i think that's a big one is the self-worth that men mm -hmm. carry and the other thing that we come across is of course is men see sleazy guys and are so afraid of being like that they hold back yeah and then the last thing i come across a lot is uh being too nice that you have no boundaries which is another trap a lot of the men who come to me fall into is they they're too eager to make sure that she is happy and pleased and that okay. makes women not see him. You lose a bit of, women tend to lose a bit of respect, but also that it takes away from the mm, something. There's a there's a, an edge there that then is missing. And so he often then falls into a friend area rather than a potential partner area. Yes, friend zoned. Yeah, exactly. What about, is there anything around rejection and fear of rejection? Yes. Because I guess that's something that me and my friends would probably talk about. Mm, it's a huge one. It is a really, really, yep. really big one. Uh, and the crazy part about it, crazy, the surprising thing about it for a lot of men is if you approach a woman and you actually do it genuinely, in other words, you're not trying to play a game or do anything weird, 90% of the time, women are actually pretty friendly. Mm -hmm. It's rare that women are actually really mean to guys who approach. And that's the thing because so many guys, have, when they have approached a woman, it's been when they've been really drunk or rowdy with their mates. Mm. Or, and then they approach a woman like that and the woman's like, oh, no, please just get away. Right. It's like, I'm, I've already mm -hmm. had enough drunk guys. I'm, I'm done with this. Uh, and so then they think, well, that's how women are going to be if I approach them. I certainly would don't want to do that normally. 
And so, yeah, obviously there is that fear. It is very vulnerable. A lot of women don't have the experience of really having to face that vulnerability just because of the way our society is. Um, some women do, but plenty don't. But it is it's very vulnerable because it almost feels like you, your soul is being rejected. And really, she has no clue who you are. Yeah. Do you recommend men and women be more vulnerable in these situations? Yes. I'm a huge fan of vulnerability. One of the big things I have to say to my men, the guys, is you don't have to pretend to be super cocky and confident. In fact, sometimes that can really hurt you. Mm-hmm. The only woman who needs the cockiest guy in the room is the cockiest woman in the room. Um, and that's usually <laughs> not who you want anyway. If you go up to a woman and you're a little bit nervous, but you're like, but I like you and I do want to talk to you and you're not going to make this awkward. That is often more powerful than trying to pretend to be flawless. They, mm-hmm. That builds a lot of trust when they can see that, you know what I mean? You're a little bit, because it means you're not a player. It means you're not, you know, trying to do this all the time and you're not super more polished. Sincere. This, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to ask about, we spoke about the fear of rejection and then also the not wanting to physically go up to someone because not feeling like, you know, you're bringing value. Has that changed with dating apps? Like has dating apps changed the way people date Mm. that may not be as confident to go up to people at a bar? Yeah, dating apps have changed a lot and I'm not convinced for the better. See, I mean, dating apps have created this perception of abundance for men and women, but it's it's always Mm. been a bit of a fake perception. You know, you you have this idea that, well, there's plenty more people that I can talk to if I want to. So if this doesn't work out, even in the slightest, I can just move on easily. Mm-hmm. It's created this really strange. It's also created a lot more of a flippant attitude because it's almost like a, an unfortunate downward spiral where you get some guys being really flippant in their attitude towards women and some women being really flippant in their attitude towards guys, really flaky, really unreliable. The both sides go, well, if they're going to be like that, I'll be like that. Mm. Right, and so the attitude towards dating has become a lot more flaky, a lot more uh, mm-hmm. temporary, casual, and so that's definitely been an impact. Far fewer people do, uh, I guess, approach in a bar or in, I guess, in public, in like general life on the whole. I had a guy say to me the other night on a date, he would never go up to a woman at a bar. Now I was like, oh, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. I, I ultimately, I think dating is going somewhere. We're trying to work it out. What works for us as a as a society. Mm. And we haven't worked it out. No one's happy on the whole with the state of mm-hmm. dating apps in general, men and women. They've worked for some people, but in general, they're not having a good impact. But we just don't know where to go to next. Yeah. I'm watching it closely, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> what do you think's next? Look, I suspect next is going to be something along the lines of more social-based dating. So things like Facebook for dating. I know Facebook brought out dating, but they didn't hit the nail on that head. But I feel like it'll end up being something along those lines mm-hmm. where it's, it's blending the two, the real life and the social. And also like friends of friends of friends somehow mm-hmm. is better than complete strangers. Mm, I agree with that. And I know there are a number of apps that have tried that, but we're not getting it right. And mm. I think it'll be somewhere along those lines. Where it'll be the social network of dating. <laughs> what can single women learn from single men? You know, are our struggles in dating the same? And I have this theory that like we need to have a bit more empathy for each other yep. because sometimes it feels like we're against each other. Like, oh my God, yep. all men on dating apps are shit. Or all women, are, you know what I mean? So we're kind of against each other, but are we just dealing with the same thing? I mean, I'm a huge advocate of being more empathetic towards the other side. So when I do my YouTube channel is geared mostly towards men and I'm forever throwing, doing videos trying to say, hey, this is how this feels from a woman's perspective. And it, even then it's really hard when I explain it out, maybe 30% mm-hmm. of the guys get it and the other 60% is no, 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 women are just entitled, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's quite a hard thing, I think, because when you've 
had a lot of pain in dating. It's very personal. It's very real. It's very tangible. And then what you want to do is blame. That's how we deal with pain often. It's like, it's you, you know, and it's, it's very hard to feel empathy mm. in that moment. So I don't, I don't judge, but I, yes, I agree with you completely. Empathy is a huge part of it. There is a bit of a, uh, you know, the stale old term, which is battle of the sexes, but there is a little bit of that, you know, and a lot of it comes because people aren't that great at communicating either. Mm. Men and women, essentially, we have a lot of the same feelings. So I, I'm definitely an advocate of we are more the same than different. And there are definitely differences. If only because culture makes different assumptions of how we should behave, that creates differences. Mm-hmm. Essentially, we both want to feel loved. And, and the way that we go about it's different. You know, men often equate physical touch and sex with love earlier than women do. Like, it's just the, and it's mm-hmm. interesting when you work with men, it's easy to see men as men just want to get laid. And often that's a part of that. I mean, yes, obviously, sex is, is a deal and we like sex. But a part of that is also the societal ruling that says part of your value is your is how good you are at getting sex. And so a whole sense of self is to some degree unhealthily built around this. But we do equate love with touch and, and physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. And men who don't know that, that's a big part of the problem too. Men who don't know that often frequently have these sexual interactions and they, they walk away feeling like they didn't get what they wanted and they don't know why. Because they don't know why, because no one, ex- no, there's no way for men to learn this, which is actually what you want as a connection. And you just went for sex and that's okay, but you didn't get the connection part. And so they, it's mm. often that feeling, oh, I just had sex with this girl. Now I want to get away. Right. Which makes a woman feel horrible, which makes a guy feel weirdly dirty and kind of like, yeah. well, I got laid, but this doesn't feel great. It makes a woman feel used. And so no one's getting what they want. And part of it's just the lack of communication. And guys don't also realize that even a woman who doesn't want a relationship, she still wants to feel connection nine times out of 10. There's still an element that she wants to get out of the interaction. Hmm. And both genders want it. They just don't know it. Oh, well, the, men, the women generally do know they want it. Men have no clue and women aren't communicating to men. And so, yeah, I, I'm a huge, big one on communication. Hmm. It's, I often joke that any, any romantic comedy you watch would have absolutely no plot line if people could communicate properly. Yes, that's true. Very true. So you have courses around sincere seduction. I wanted to know what is sincere seduction? Yeah. So the idea behind sincere seduction is being sincere. It's not playing games. It's not trying to be something you're not or promise or offer something that you're not there to offer a promise. Mm -hmm. It's the, the notion that vulnerability and honesty actually can be really attractive. You are building with it some social skills. So you are, you are learning how to banter, not neg, (laughs) banter, actually just in a nice way that doesn't bring anyone down, right? That makes things exciting. You are learning to actually connect with a person. So how do I actually get to know someone in a shorter period of time rather than hoping it happens by chance? You are learning to be comfortable with the idea of you're attractive and I want to see you again and I am sexually interested in you without getting that across sleazily. You know, it's, it's getting men connected with that, but mm-hmm. never in a way that's Mm, changing who they are. It's not mimicking Damien. It's not Damien style like you used to have mystery style and stuff with the pickup game. It's not mm. that. It's here's the basic tools, but let's find out what about you is attractive because there's not just one archetype of guy that's attractive. There's all these different types of men that can be really attractive to different kinds of women. You know, and getting getting connected mm. with that is what makes you more. You're not trying to be attractive to everyone when you're trying to be attractive to the right women. And and what is that? I feel like this, I spoke to a a dating coach. She obviously, she works with a lot of women and it was really similar. So she said, sincere is sexy because she said, when you're doing your dating app profile, 
it's not about being attractive to everyone or the widest pool. It's about being attractive to the person that you want to date. Yeah. We kind of are in this mindset, oh, I've got to make myself the most attractive for the most yeah. number of people. But really, you want to be, you want to attract the person that is going to be aligned on your values or. 100%. With women, yeah. I often call that setting the right bait. Okay. Yeah. Because, because it's too easy to go, well, I want to set the bait that attracts the most potential partners. And that's that other dating coach is saying yep. is not going to work because you just end up with the wrong guys. Do you find that guys come to see you and they want, okay, here are the lines, here's the person that you need to be, like that you've got to act like someone that you're not? Do you have guys that kind of Absolutely. that's what they're expecting? Absolutely. And that's often, yep. it's, it's often a little bit harder to to work with because what you first have to do is get them to be willing to to drop that. And so, so habitual. I mean, it's, we all do it to some degree, even like you and I talking now, I try to be genuine, mm. but there's something of a mask that we can't help that we put on knowing that we're on a camera and all the other stuff. Letting go mm. of that as much as possible can be really hard for some people. Some people struggle with it more than others, but no, it is. It's mm. definitely something that I, it's one of the first things that we have to talk to the guys about. looks like you're putting on a show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes what I'll even get the guys to do is literally say they hate it. But I get them to literally say, hey, I'm a little bit nervous here, but I wanted to come and talk to you. Oh, if someone said that. I like that when yeah. people are honest like that. Yeah, I mean, it works more often than not, but it also reminds them to be nervous or to be what they're feeling. Mm. You know what I mean? So from all of, I guess, the dating advice that you give and your YouTube videos and your courses, I'd like to know if you can choose one. What's your number one dating tip for both sexes, men and women? What are we all stuffing up? Okay, this is the biggest I think it's one of the biggest. We attract reflection of what's happening for us internally. If you want man or woman, if you are feeling like you're just not meeting the kind of partner that you want to meet, it's not that you don't deserve that partner. It's that often whatever's happening for you internally is at the wrong space. And often we don't realize mm -hmm. it, but we just, we just magically meet people who reflect what's happening for us. And it's not magic. It's just we are attractive to our mirror opposite. And we create these dynamics with people. And if we work on our internal stuff, when eternal stuff, you know, our inner child stuff, kind of our shadow stuff, our relationship to ourselves and our parents, if we work on that stuff, very often we find we just have better quality partners and friends in our lives. And that's, I think, one of the biggest ones because mm -hmm. that's a harder one to swallow because we often think, oh, if we just met the right person, we'd be sweet. But often the reason we're not is because of what's mm -hmm. happening for us inside. I love that. I'm really glad that you chose that. <laughs> That's what I'm definitely all about that. Well, that was all the questions that I had today. Thank you so much for joining me. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So I've just said to Linda, what did you think? And she says she doesn't have any thoughts. <laughs> I'm still getting over your father's it's, bit. It's 10.30 at night, so it's way, way past Linda's bedtime. Hey, just a tip because you know how you love Aldi. Yeah. I've just been a, to a friend's for dinner. They serve the most delicious little, oh, what do you call them, potato, layered potato. Scalloped potato. Yes, but yep. they're in little rounds. They come from the frozen section of Aldi. Nice. Aldi has everything, honestly. Amazing. What I did want to say was the reason that I wanted to get this dating coach on was because I have a theory and let me know what you think about my theory. So I feel like we are men and women. We're all having a shit time online dating. Well, most of us are because it's not normal. Like it's not a normal world to live in where you have thousands and thousands and thousands of options 
and you are trying to give your attention to all these people. And so naturally, you know, people don't probably act in the same way that they would act if they met someone at a bar or if someone came up to them in the park or whatever the situation is. I don't think that you're getting the best version of that person on a dating app. I liked what he had to say that next there might be a more social-based dating. Yeah, like yeah. Facebook I, I thought, for dating. Yeah. I thought that was a great idea. Maybe you could start that. <laughs> I actually wanted to start an app for single-minded girls so that girls over a certain age who are still single can connect with other women that feel the same way. Anyway, that's for another time. But that's my theory. And I feel like men and women both are blaming, well, I feel that I do this where we're blaming the other sex for all of our problems online dating. So it's like, it's Mm. men are so shit. So it's their fault that I'm having a bad time. And then men are saying about women, oh my God, the same thing. And Mm. so I feel like all of our struggles are the same. And I think that what I've learned from this interview in this episode was that we all need to have a little bit more compassion for each other. So just to give you an example, I had a guy that cancelled on a date. It was a Sunday and he cancelled on the day and then he never rescheduled. And then he kept messaging me on Instagram and I just was like, you know what, he's not going to reschedule. You cut him off already at the knees. No, well, I just was like, you know, he's not serious about going on a date. I'm not interested in just general chit-chat. After the first couple of messages after that, I just stopped responding. And then he responds to another story today and he says something like, I think I put a meme up, like a meme about being single for so long. And he wrote back, the reason you've been single for so long is you never respond to me or something stupid. Anyway, I think Mm. he was just trying to be funny and reconnect. Anyway, I am just like, you're not serious. But then I was like, you know what? I was like this is the world of online dating. There's too many choices and and we're really non-committal and we're really flaky. I've been really flaky in the past because I'm overwhelmed by choice. It's like going on to Amazon or the Iconic because there's Mm. too much on there. Yes. It's not personalised. How do you find what you need? You are so right. Three pages of online shopping and you're done. So it's the same. Yeah, and so... None of us are probably giving enough people a chance and we write people off so quickly Mm. not knowing that we probably all feel the same. The lesson that I got from this episode was I decided, yes, this guy has annoyed the shit out of me with all of that, but I'm like, he's asked again. He's actually put himself out there again, even though it was in a bad way. Like it wasn't what I thought was the way I wanted him to rectify the situation, but I've decided I'll give him a chance. What have I always said to you? It takes a very long time to get to know somebody. Well, this is where we disagree, Linda, because I Mm. believe in giving people second chances because I fuck up a lot and I think that we're human and we make mistakes. So I do believe in that. The one thing I don't believe in is if there is no chemistry on the first date, Mm. it's a Mm. no and I will not. I have to have just a little bit, just a tiny little bit of chemistry. Yes, has to be some animal magnetism. Thank you. All right. Totally with well, you, sister. 
<laughs> well, was there the animal magnetism when you and Dad met? Because 100%. according to him, you, you were with someone else. No, not on the night. I had eyes for someone else yes. and they were aqua eyes because I had aqua contact lenses in, Yes, believe it or not, in the day. And she was actually, you were wearing a bright <laughs> aqua taffeta dress from memory with frills. Oh, my God, I was not. Yes, that was were. my 21st. Oh, that was Jeez, not on my 25th. I had a very tight sort of striped, black and white striped suit. I was loving myself in that. Yeah, I'm sure you were. (laughs) Anyway, that's all the time that we have today. I just wanted to remind everyone the best way that you can support this podcast is to share it on Instagram with your friends and to tag Single Minded Pod. And then also don't forget to send in your dating stories. You can DM me at Hannah first and we will see you here next week. See you next week. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.